the Dynamic Duo Podcast is back again. Ryan and Lindsay here today, and we're going to be discussing a topic that is very pertinent to vision therapy, and that topic is, Lindsay? We're going to be talking about primitive reflexes today. So we have a very special guest from Ohio who's going to give us some insight on her background on primitive reflexes. And this is something that is a, a hot topic, I believe, and it's very pertinent to a lot of families and to practitioners. So without further ado, like Lindsay said, we have Patty Andrich here, my apologies, and um, you have to refresh my memory on where you're at in Ohio. Uh, Near the Cleveland area in North Royalton, Ohio. Okay, and you are by trade an occupational therapist, is that right? I am. I'm an occupational therapist and certified vision therapist. I also have a background in education. I have a master's degree in special education. So I have all that uh, background of kids and development through the educational system. So you bring a lot to the table, so to speak, especially when it comes to working with the kids that you do in the practice that you're at. Um, it's a, that's amazing. I, that's the best combination I could ever even come up with from the training aspect. And then um, just from what little I've known you, your personality blends really well with, with this. So this is awesome. Great. Definitely appreciate you having having the, given us the time to uh, kind of go over some things that you brought up when we saw you at the, the lecture. So just thought it would be helpful for others to hear it as well. So I guess we'll start out with, you know, the topic of today is primitive reflexes. And I guess, it, you know, what are primitive reflexes in, in your words? Right. Primitive reflexes are neurological movements that we have in embedded in our nervous system. I almost like to think of it as a code written into a computer program. We are encoded with these movements from conception on and they happen at a certain time. So at five weeks gestation certain things happen and then at 22 weeks and then after we're born we see certain movements that happen with every every baby that is uh, typically developing. So these are stereotypical movements. They may appear random to some people but they're actually uh, very organized movements. So, for example, one of the reflex patterns is called a moral reflex. And in that, uh, with a stimulus, uh, the baby would open up their arms and legs and take a deep breath of air and then close up their arms and legs. And you can see this open and close of the whole body uh, anytime a loud noise is made or a startle to that baby. You see that movement pattern. But later, as that movement pattern gets more refined and the brain matures and the nervous system matures, that whole body movement then becomes maybe the right side movement only or then the left side movement and then just a hand would move or then just a foot and then eventually the hand is moving to reach and the foot is moving to kick. So it's a neurological progression that occurs. It starts off with this very primitive basic whole body movement pattern, and there are many others, uh, but that one is called the moral reflex. So as, as far as when we talk about having a reflex that's integrated, meaning it's not showing up anymore, we have patients that come in that say, you know, maybe they've been tested for reflexes or they still have reflexes that haven't been integrated. Who usually looks um, for that or who would be somebody that might, if you will, catch that someone does not have integrated reflexes? Uh, there aren't a lot of people that really would look at that and catch that. Uh, there are some behavioral optometrists that do, sure. and there are some occupational therapists that would be looking for that. And maybe your neurologist after a brain injury would look to see if those primitive reflexes have returned after an injury to the brain. And also, you kind of, I think, implied, too, that 
these reflexes are something that are hardwired, so to speak, so it's not as if you can cognitively override them, and that's why we're interested in them, especially when we're working on higher level functions such as vision or, or integrating the sensory systems. Uh, this is something that kids, if they're not properly integrated, they can override, and that can affect potentially higher level things. Is that right? Absolutely, and I, I try to help uh, families understand that, that their child's behavior is not necessarily their fault, uh, the child's fault. It's not like they're trying to be uh, bad or they're trying to wiggle or they're trying not to pay attention. It's their nervous system that is firing neurons in a disorganized fashion and it's completely out of their control. So for example, if you remember the, you know, the old uh, doctor trick where you hit the knee, the patella, uh, yep. just below the patella and the, the knee kicks out, right? Yeah. Well, if I'm neurologically functioning well, that should happen. And I could think really hard, don't let my leg kick, don't let my leg kick, don't let my leg kick. But then the stimulus of the, the little uh, hammer on the knee hits my knee and there's nothing you know, my heart can want to, my mind can know exactly what not to do, don't kick, but the neurons get fired and my leg kicks. And that's the way the behavior is. So as far as, yeah, so when parents are com not really complaining but saying, you know, why can't they sit still or why can't they do that, it's really their kind of just way of trying to compensate for these reflexes that are kind of just taking over, but it's not under their control by any means. Correct. Correct. The, the child uh, may be trying to sit still, may understand what you want them to do, but they just cannot neurologically uh, hold them, their body still because the neurons are firing, saying, you must move, you must move, you must uh, move out of the way. I don't feel comfortable and I can't understand this unless I am moving. So that, that's how they organize themselves is by moving around because they're not, they don't have the maturity of their nervous system to you know, sit still or stand still and wait quietly. One of the things you said, yeah, the maturity and a quote I've heard you say, which is so cool, is the nervous system is only as strong as uh, as the support pieces, or even I guess you could say as the as the weakest link, so to speak. So this is something that can definitely override and cause some problems. Is that right? Exactly. I like to explain to parents their nervous system is sort of like a Jenga tower. If you're familiar with that child's game where you stack the blocks up to build the tower. If those pieces are turned or uh, not quite set right in place, if one of them moves out, then the whole tower falls. Things like visual skills, paying attention with your auditory system, you know, understanding what is being told to you, uh, things like sitting still quietly, understanding high-level math or handwriting, that's all built on the tower below it. And we start off with primitive reflexes, these movement patterns. If these movement patterns aren't integrated into the brain well, then everything that's on top of it, you know, sitting so quiet, handwriting, behavior, eye movements, reading, comprehension, all of that will be distorted due to the poor foundation of the nervous system. And are there, I know you mentioned some of the symptoms as far as, you know, not being able to sit still or poor attention. Are there any other things that maybe parents might note or say, oh, my child does this and something that possibly could be um, attributed due to the primitive reflexes? I know it could have a lot of different variables, but are there any kind of major concerns or major behaviors that might lend you to think, oh, maybe they have uh, primitive reflexes that haven't been integrated? Absolutely. One of the hallmarks is oversensitivity. Uh, the child that just melts down 
at the end of the day or throughout their day and they can't let things go so they may uh, be frustrated and uh, when they have a meltdown that may last a little while it may persist for a little bit another hallmark for one of the reflexes in particular the spinal gallant reflex is a reflex that affects auditory processing and uh, potty training so kids that have a delayed potty training schedule or they may have uh, difficulty understanding instructions those children often have a retained spinal gallant reflex so if I test it and it's you know and the reflex is there and then I we do the treatment then most of those children will you know be able to control their their bowels and um, their urination they won't have wet the bed at night and uh, that so forth and they'll be able to understand much more in the classroom and yeah that's so interesting how these things can can come up and and be bothersome and the children would have no idea obviously to express that I have you know retained reflexes mom and we need to work on these which is yeah just so so important for the parents to be aware and just in tune and you you mentioned just recently or just when you just said oh when you go through the treatment so what would how do you treat primitive reflexes or what kinds of things would you have a child do to help integrate some of these uh, reflexes there are many different approaches and I do use many of the different approaches out there I'll tell you, for example, first I, I think it's important that we get a measurement of how active the reflexes are so that we can quantify to find out if a particular treatment that we're doing is working or not. And then periodically testing throughout the treatment time that, you know, you're with the, the child to make sure, or, or actually the adult, sometimes after a head injury, we work with the primitive reflexes that have been retained. But we want to we find out if they're resolving, if they are integrating. So, so testing is very important. And then after testing the treatment, the vision therapy is actually one treatment that does help to integrate reflexes. Auditory processing does. Tactile work, where you're um, doing massage work. Chiropractors, if there's a entrapment in the vagus nerve, then if they can free that entrapment, then that's a form of reflex integration work. I use the INPP method from England. I went to England to be trained by Sally Goddard and Peter Blythe. Oh, wow. I also, yeah, I also use many other techniques for many other programs. So it's really not so much the program, it's knowing what to do and when to do it and that you know has to do with a lot of knowledge that you obtain from many different sources so I do use many of those sources another one is light therapy that optometrists often use that can help to uh, kind of balance the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system which is a out of balance with the moral reflex that is retained so there are very there are a lot of different options out there yeah and I think what I'm beginning to understand is I used to think that ha having a retained primitive reflex, it was absolute. You either had it or you didn't. However, it seems as if there are, you know, maybe different levels. It, it comes out in certain situations or in certain environments or with certain stimuli. And not to say that's bad or it's not integrated, but uh, I'm trying to maybe understand that it's, it's more so developing degrees of freedom within that. You know, can they work within that system? And so it's not so disruptive. Is that kind of on par? Absolutely. You know, we all, most of us anyways, have some degree of retained primitive reflexes. It's kind of like our quirk. The thing that we're not good at, we could probably trace back to, you know, some sort of reflex that did not fully mature 
and we did not fully mature in our nervous system in that way. So now we have a quirk. However, yeah, if you have a lot of reflexes that are not integrated, then it's more than a quirk. We really are kind of behind socially with our peers and we're struggling academically or at work. We have trouble with our balance and our coordination. So we want to treat uh, you know children when they have many reflexes not retained or not integrated. And you mentioned that sometimes patients that have had a traumatic brain injury might show the reflexes. So would you work on those the same way? Are there other strategies that you use because they're an adult and maybe they were integrated at one point or is it going after the same kind of the same foundation? Well, the approach I like to take is to go back to the way it happened in the first place. So I do use a developmental approach. There are certain reflexes that come out at a certain time in life and I retrace those movement patterns. So I start off from the beginning and do things uh, that, you know, vestibular work, which is our balance sense that is stimulated as we were fetuses in our mother's wombs. We did a lot of spinning and a lot of turning. And if you've, after brain injury, that uh, vestibular sense is, is often out of, you know, out of sorts. And we have to go back so that we can integrate that vestibular system in the same way that we would have felt it in utero. And then restack re the blocks of the Jenga tower, the way we would have stacked them in the first place. Recently, we were um, fortunate enough to hear you give a presentation on kind of a general topic of vision, and you highlighted the word S and the word I, and bolded them, I guess, in the in the word vision. And I guess, what is your interpretation, or why kind of why are we talking about primitive reflexes as it relates to vision, and, and what does SI, I guess, mean in in vision? Right, so uh, that was uh, Dr. Zielinski. She asked me to talk specifically about the S and the I in vision. And as an occupational therapist, we often talk about SI as sensory integration. And most occupational therapists just think about sensory integration as the eyes with the ears, with the touch, with the taste, etc. But in the lecture I gave, we went further than that. We talked about the eye being more of the motor, the, the muscle work and how the senses must connect to the motor system, which they do neurologically. And if you have a sensory system that's firing, but the motor system is not connecting to the sensory system, then we have a mismatch in the sensory motor system, which causes developmental delay or difficulty, you know, navigating through each day. So I guess when we hear someone's had sensory integration treatment or they're going through a sensory integration program, is that fairly standard that they would be looking at primitive reflexes or is not or, or is that not a standard I guess protocol in the treatment it is it is not a standard protocol in the treatment you would have to find a occupational therapist that is certified in reflex integration and many there are many occupational therapists that are you know trained somewhat in reflex integration and, and that's good but it, you know, it's best always to find someone who's certified in methods that that way they, they know that their reflexes will indeed integrate after you know the, the appropriate time of therapy. I do have a lot of patients that will come to me that say they've been working on reflex integration for years and they haven't you know, made any progress. So I said, well, do you know if you made progress? Has there been a pre-test and a post-test? Maybe you did make progress. Or if not, then that therapist may not have had a systematic approach in integration. So is that something in kind of the treatment scheme of things? Would that primitive reflexes always be done? Would you suggest doing them first? Or are they 
at the same time as maybe OT or vision therapy, or is there a, an order that kind of benefits the patient better? Or a hierarchy? There is a hierarchy, I believe. Uh, we do have to realize, though, that uh, neurons that fire together in the brain wire together in the brain. So can't just work with vision without thinking about that auditory system. And we can't, you know, just work with vision without thinking about our balance system, or our vestibular system. We really do need to wire everything together so that uh, we're not listening and then, oh, I'll, I'll look now. We have to be able to look and listen at the same time. So with the hierarchy, we do have to have the structure, the base of support in place. If reflexes are very active, they are neurological interferences with the progression of skills. So if we have these active reflexes, then moving our eyes across the page, we can work on that all day long. But it goes back to that leg getting you know, tapped up by the knee. I can work on those eye movements all day long, but if my asymmetrical tonic neck reflex is not integrated and it's still very active, then it's going to cause a disturbance as my eyes move across the midline. So until I remove that disturbance, I'm going to have a difficulty moving my eyes across the midline. Now, depending on the techniques that the vision therapist uses, you know, maybe the vision therapist can work with that ATNR to help integrate it while doing eye tracking skills. But they would have to know that that's what they're doing. So it really just goes back to the developmental kind of mindset as far as you have to have the foundation, even though it doesn't maybe directly have anything to do with the eyes. But if you don't have the foundation, then when you work on the higher level, such as visual skills, you don't progress. Or you might kind of hit that point where you're just plateauing. Right. And actually, that's why I got so interested in reflex integration. As a vision therapist, we had a very small percentage of kids that after doing great vision therapy, parents are pleased, the patients pleased, and then they stop doing their vision therapy and then they lose their skills and we're all going, well, why? Well, why? Well, then I realized, you know, well, this child still has reflexes that are not integrated. So they worked really hard in vision therapy, but the foundation could not support the skill. The good thing is the skills always were there. It's just the foundation wasn't supporting them. So then once we added reflex integration into our practice as a, a very um, in-depth type of therapy, then those kids, their skills that they worked so hard to achieve in vision were actually there and they got them and they stayed after the reflex integration therapy. Yeah, that's so important. You have to have a solid foundation to build upon and, and I guess this, this skill just goes to, to show that you know we always need to keep it on the tip of our mind and from what I've kind of, this is just from my, what I've deduced that um, Primitive reflexes, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 30, 40, you know, I'm just kind of sh shooting in midair, uh, were somewhat on the on the tip of everybody's brain and we're kind of working on them. And then it almost seemed like it went kind of by the wayside for a little while, but now, uh, at least with the, the OTs that Lindsay and I have visited, um, some are saying that, you know, we, we're not really sure. We kind of know, but we feel like we should get back on board and, and integrate that more so because it is so important and, it, and something that can be overlooked so much uh, if, if you're not working on that. And, uh, and it's a constant, uh, constant. I don't know if you want to say battle as to how to find the best methods and work on the, the best ways to connect with who you're working with and get the best benefit because, I mean, in vision therapy, 
once you have those skills and everything gets to be on automatic mode, it should stay that way. And, and like you'd mentioned, if it's not, there's a reason for it, and it's important to, to know how to dig deep in there and, and find it. And uh, another thing that you had said that I, I wrote down, it says when sensory, uh, when your sensory and motor systems meet, that's when learning takes place. And that's really overall what we're working on. We're uh, retraining the visual system to work and play nicely with the other systems and basically run an autopilot, and you do that through movement and, and integration. That's right. That's right. We definitely want uh, those skills to, to be there. We want our nervous system to be optimal at the most mature state it can be, and we want to r remove any neurological interference that's preventing us to obtain our optimal point of development. Cool. Not to backtrack at all, but just yeah. kind of when we when you look at reflexes, there's certainly a lot of different reflexes. How many do you typically you know, look for? Are there certain ones that are more you know, prominent, or what's kind of your... I guess testing method as far as how many do you look at? I look at over 10 reflexes okay. uh, and uh, that usually though there's some hallmark reflexes the the fear paralysis reflex, the moral reflex, the tonic labyrinth reflex, the asymmetrical tonic neck reflex, the spinal gallant reflex, Babinski reflex, these are all um, and, and others these are all very important reflexes to vision development the Babinski reflex being a reflex in the foot, if that is not matured well, then just standing still is going to be very difficult because as the foot touches the, the floor, then the floor says, you know, says to the foot, you know, I'm uncomfortable and, you know, I have, you know, the child has to move around. If we can quiet that disturbance down, then the foot can stand on the floor and do its job of, of helping to support the body in standing so that we can look and we can, you know, um, see things and track standing and then while running, jumping and moving, that we can do that without irritation. So from our hands to our feet and everywhere in between the neurological connection right from the head through the torso, through the right and left sides of the body, all of those neurons have to be connected and organized well so that we know our right from our left, so we know which way we're going, we know where we've been, and we can comprehend the high-level skills that we're learning in school. Yeah, that's just amazing. The feet, I, we have the Bobinski, that's one thing that probably, to be honest, that we've overlooked um, um, more so. And you think about it, you need to have a solid foundation. You need to know where you are in space in order to, to move in space or look in space and, and plan even to where you're at. Yes, definitely. And, you know, I think one of the, the most fascinating things that I've really observed in working with individuals who have retained reflexes, they really don't know where they are, and they don't even know parts of their body, which you would think, well, my son, you know, he's 12 years old. He, I know he knows where his foot is. But with his eyes closed, and when he's laying down and he can't see his foot, and you touch it, does he know his heel from his big toe? Or, you know, I've even had, and parents are just completely shocked if you touch a shoulder and they say, I, I don't know, is it my foot? And this child, you know, you can't imagine how they must be struggling and how they've had to fill in the blanks because that parent would have for sure swore that they knew their body parts, but, but they did. But if you don't know where yourself is in space and you don't know parts of yourself, then it's going to be really hard to understand those high-level concepts that we're learning in school. Yeah, even, I mean, to plan out a day or to organize your space, you know, and, 
and to, to figure out where you need to be at a certain time or, you know, how often you go to a certain thing on a regular basis, yeah, it's very, very challenging to plan that stuff. And it's just it's just so amazing to me that, you know, I guess when you take it for granted and it works well, you know, you don't hardly think about it, but it can really be disruptive if, if it's not working well. Yeah, and I'm really amazed at the progress that patients make uh, after doing the therapy they, many parents say, I have, my, I have my child that I knew was locked in that body. I have them now. And, uh, you know, many of the, the complaints that they started with, those are no longer, they've forgotten that those were the struggles that they used to have, that they're on to more important things in life than, than controlling their child's behavior, emotions, and, um, you know, helping them with the academic piece. I think it's just amazing when we think of primitive reflexes, such a basic skill or such as something that, you know, you don't really think about. But, I mean, all these things that you've listed can certainly have an impact on just development, on academics, on so many, so many levels that, you know, it's certainly something that you shouldn't need to, you shouldn't overlook because like you, you know, have, have described very well just how important it can be or if it's, if they're there, they can really um, interfere with a lot of development. Yeah, well... Um, I want to say thanks so much, Patty, for being on the show and visiting with us. I know I've definitely learned a lot, and it just has emphasized the importance of of, uh, of primitive reflexes, how it, you know, it's a piece of the puzzle, but it's a very, very important piece as you build upon uh, higher-level skills, and your expertise is, is amazing, and it's just, like I said, we're happy that you took the time to be on here and, and visit with us, and we hope that people will hear this and, and understand the importance of some of the things that uh, vision therapy can do. Absolutely, and if anybody wants to contact me, you can share my information. That would be fine. Okay, I'm sure yeah. we'll put your uh, name and email address in the uh, in the information uh, by the podcast. So, yeah, thanks again, yeah, Patty. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So there we have it again, another podcast by the Dynamic Duo, Ryan and Lindsay. I hope you found this beneficial. And if you have any questions, please feel free to contact us or Patty. We'll have her contact information in the description. And we'd just like to thank you for listening, and thanks Patty again for her time, and we hope to have you listen to us on our next podcast. Yeah, so until we meet again on the airwaves. Mm-hmm.